Support for this episode comes from Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why Viator has over 300,000 bookable experiences, so there's always something for everyone. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. That was shite last night. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, Pizzy's here for those of you who that are just tuning in, or people that are listening, because apparently we have over fourteen thousand people listening to this after it goes live. So to the fourteen thousand people that listen, hello, uh, welcome back to the MMAfighting.com's A side live chat. It is Pizzy's jet lagged. I'm tired. It's going to be a great episode, but uh, Pizzi, how's life been since the last we saw? You took a little break to go on some expedition through somewhere, from what I gather. Yeah, yeah I went to Amsterdam. It was great. We did uh, loads of things. We 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 did. We actually went proper touristy on it. We did everything. We went to some windmill village. We went to Anne Frank Museum. We went to Van Gogh Museum. We went on a canal cruise. And, you know, obviously the other things... <laughs> You're doing Amsterdam as well. It was great fun altogether, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's I've never been there. Like I was only ever been there uh, once after UFC Rotterdam for a day, so I've never really um, got a feel for the place. It's it's quality. The city is unbelievable, man. I, I feel like a lot of people go there and they just go into those cafes and they don't do anything else. And it's like there's so much shit to do there, though. You know, it was incredible. So you went from Vegas to cover a Conor McGregor fight, where we pretty much worked nonstop, and then you went straight home. <laughs> And then you got on a plane, or I imagine, and you went to Amsterdam. So you probably haven't slept in a month. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah, that's where I'm at with it at the moment. <laughs> but I mean, it, it's just weird in Vegas for me. Every time I go to Vegas, I, I just find it really hard to sleep there. It, it's the same for you, right? Like it's yeah. just the place. Like it's 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 really weird. Well, people always say, people always ask me, like, oh, what's fight week like? What's this and that? Like other like other up and coming journalists or just people in general. I don't sleep at all. Like. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like we work we work super late and then by the time we do go to bed like i'm only thinking about either the work we just did or the work we have the next day that i don't sleep like even friday to saturday which is the day you're supposed to get sleep i still wake up super early it's just i can't sleep until fight week is over uh-oh i think pizzy froze oh no he's back hello i think pizzy's pizzy's no mas everyone I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. He's back. God damn it, Pizzi. You're giving me a. You're giving me PTSD from our audio, audio, and visual I'm... troubles. Troubles. Let Brian Kelleher, the co-host last week, he also had a little bit. I of, saw uh, that. Yeah. But anyway, enough talk about us. We can talk about Brian later. We're gonna hop into the questions because this is not our podcast. It's your podcast. If you want to ask a question, you go to mafighting.com. Find the post on the site. Leave your comment in the comment section. The green questions obviously get prioritized. But lately, we've getting 
I don't know if you've noticed this, Pete. We've been getting a lot of questions on Twitter. You can go on Twitter, use hashtag the A side, or you can just co- tweet underneath my tweet because I feel like more people do that than anything. But we're going to hop right into the question on the site first from longtime commenter Trumbo Bellator Featherweight Tournament. Bellator Featherweight Tournament is shaping up to be pretty amazing. Who do you ha- who do you favor to win? My pick is Caldwell with his upset win. He looks great at featherweight. So, yes, Pizzi, you were probably off gallivanting around Amsterdam during last week. But we had two fight cards in one day. We had, oh, UFC, yeah. we had UFC Raleigh and we had Bellator 238 with the co-main event uh, between Adam Boris and Darian Caldwell. For, to punch their, the winner would punch their ticket to the semifinals of the Bellator World Featherweight Grand Prix to face AJ McKee or Antonio McKee Jr., as some people started calling him on Twitter, which I thought was very weird because I, it's... He's AJ McKee. Uh, but what did you make of Darren Caldwell's performance? I don't know if you saw it. And who do you favor in the tournament? Look, I, I, I felt like that was something that not enough European fans were thinking about. Like, we were all kind of in the hysteria of Boric's has knocked out Pico, but we forgot actually what happened in the lead up to that knockout. Pico was dominant in the, the, the grappling exchanges against Boric's, and Boric's took the one opportunity, got to knock him out, and that was what was really impressive about the performance for me. I always felt as though Caldwell would be, be able to uh, neutralize him, and unfortunately for Adam, that's what happened. But look, this can be this will make or break Adam. It, it all depends on how he takes this first loss. He's gone a long way. He's done some incredible things uh, before running into this first career loss. But... Um, you know, I, I feel like he's going to learn an awful lot from that. And look, Caldwell looks great now, and I can't wait for the AJ McKee fight. Like, I feel like it's definitely the toughest test of McKee's career so far. It's not against a guy um, that's maybe past it in terms of getting back to the title. I feel Caldwell is going to be a perennial contender with, with, with Bellator at either bantamweight or featherweight. So yeah. I feel like this is a brilliant test. And if you can go through this, the sky's the limit for AJ McKee. The sky is already the limit for AJ AJ McKee, as far as I'm concerned. And I did notice on their face-off, he looked a lot taller. Darren Cole? Yeah, I think he's just taller and lankier. Uh, apparently, him and AJ have had some sort of beef. I'm not 100%. That's what I keep hearing, uh, seeing on Twitter. And people keep asking me, like, where's this beef stem from? Where's this beef stem from? Like, don't honestly know. Uh, but they're two of the... I feel like we had this wave of fighters like Doug, uh, like uh, Lima, Diego Lima, uh, MVP... Um, the Pitbull brothers, Chandler. We had like this, this the the guard of Bellator fighters. Like these were for a long time the faces of Bellator, and I really feel like Darren Caldwell and AJ McKee are that new weight. Not because they've obviously been in Bellator for a long time. Specifically, AJ McKee, he made his debut in Bellator. Yeah, he's one. He's what 14, 16, 15 and zero, and all of his fights have been in Bellator. He's debuted at zero and zero, so uh, he already has like the record for like uh, most consecutive wins because he's undefeated, most submission wins. I think stoppage wins or tied for stoppage wins. And, and these are all like featherweight, uh, Bellator featherweight records. But uh, this is the biggest test he's had in terms of someone that can match his athleticism. Because if you look at his last few fights, he gets a lot of these fights that people say like, oh, this is his big test, this is his big test. But it's been guys like Pat Curran or like Derek Campos or Georgie Karkarian. Uh, I'm sorry, I always butcher his last name. Uh, but those are three fighters that have been in the Bellator for a minute. Uh, and he's in terms of Georgie, what was that knockout? Like 10 seconds, seven seconds, eight mm-hmm. seconds long. And then uh, he pulls off that submission win uh, in the Bellator Hawaii card. So it's uh, AJ McKee's looked like the real deal. He's beefed with um, champion Pitbull for quite a long time. I remember being at Bellator. I can't remember what media day it was, but they sat them next to each other at media day. It was a, it, Oh, it was the Grand Prix. Like these are the fighter. These are the 16. Okay. The reveal. Uh, 
the reveal of well we, we they had announced who's going to be in it and then pretty much all the uh, u.s based fighters had a media day plus ryan bader and Chet congo plus leona machida and gigar musasi and like aj mckee and pitbull were right next to each other like within f- feet of each other and they talked the entire time at one another like i was interviewing ryan bader and we literally had to stop and watch them argue for like five minutes so uh aj mckee's made a known he that is quote unquote his belt that uh, Patricio Pitbull is carrying around. So I do tend to favor AJ McKee considering he has not lost yet. Uh, but Darren Caldwell looked uber impressive against Adam Borch. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I mean, I really like the featherweight tournament, but I, I feel like I need to point out that Pedro Carvalho was a guy yeah. who was taking us all by completely by surprise. Um, and, and look, we, we were petitioning to get him in that featherweight tournament. He's done great so far. Um, obviously, he's fighting the cream of the crop next time. But like, even, I believe it might have been Esther... I can't remember who was there for us when it, when they had put on the pr- press conference with, with Pitbull and Pedro, but they were like really impressed by Pedro, how he pre- uh, presented himself. And the guy's dangerous everywhere. He has knockout power and he has great submissions. And um, look, I know Patricio is, is one of the best fighters in the world at the moment, so it's very hard for me to say he's definitely going to beat him. But look, I think he's a great he, he's a great dark horse in this division and especially being in the tournament and the fact that he's fighting Pitbull in the next round. Um, I, I definitely have high hopes for Pedro, even if he doesn't come away with a win there i think in the future he has a really really bright future i think he's only he's only about uh 23 24 years of age as well pedro carvalho yeah he also looked taller than the champ well he, he is oh he's, he's very tall dude. He's, he's a big boy tall. he's a big boy uh i really like that matchup it was a lot of, i never realized how much i wanted that fight until i saw them stand next to each other because i always knew pedro carvalho would eventually be a title challenger but the fact that he's fighting for the title now i don't want to say it's rushed because it's not like he's a newcomer to the mma scene like he's had a his fair yeah. amount of mma fights but he carried himself very impressively uh he garnered a lot of interest in that fight from me like i as soon as they announced like when that when that fight was made i liked it but i wasn't as excited for it as like the aj mckee I mean, the Darren oh, yeah. Caldwell-Boris fights or the AJ McKee-Campos fights. But as soon as they that press conference was over, I was pretty... I was hyped on that card. But in terms of who I favored to win the entire tournament, I have to favor the champion, Patricio Pitbull. Yeah. He's the greatest Bellator fighter who ever lived and is a champ champ for a reason. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's hard to look past Pitbull. But just a note on uh, Pedro. Like, Pedro, he's been at SVG for a couple of... The, like, I think about two or three years now. But... It, it's very rare that you see a guy just coming in, especially like a guy who hasn't known these guys coming up if they're in different teams or whatever, and become one of the front runners of the gym. He's at all with all the main guys inspiring, and all of the dudes that spar him, like Artem, Peter Queeley, they have nothing but good things to say about him. Like to be impressing those veterans with your work rate and and your willingness to spar and your durability and and how open you are to train with everyone is really really impressive for me. Like everybody in that gym has nothing but good things to say about. Pedro and really that that isn't someone something that you see too often fighters are like you know they usually want to talk about themselves but when they're yeah. all talking about Pedro I'm like oh this is yeah. very interesting um and look he has he, he's got a huge following in Portugal Portugal as well so you know it, it's going to be interesting to see the way that one goes uh, but I do favor Pitbull as you said well if he wins can someone please make him a Wikipedia page he's one of the few fighters yeah. in the in <laughs> in the tournament right now that doesn't have a wikipedia page so someone get on that what what's his record like 12 and 3 12 and 2 11 and 3 something like that he's like, yeah something like that he's been uber impressive um but he's won all his fights in bellator like i mean if you if you're talking in terms of a guy who's had the biggest impact from this european series um 
I don't think you could argue that him and Kay Jackson, who fought Alimale McFarlane, yeah, um, they they have done the most. Like they're fighting for titles already, and they didn't get signed until this European series kicked off. So that's a very promising sign for me. Bellator Europe is is working essentially. Yeah, and you've been on that. You've been on that, as you said. You've been on the Pedro Carvalho hype train for quite a while, and I'm very. I wish it was. It keeps. It's in March, right? That's when they're fighting. It's yeah, kinda, it's I still think kind of a ways away. Is it? Is it twenty first or something that it is? That's I don't. I don't remember the that's, name off the top. I don't remember the name off the top of my head, but I just know Pitbull wanted that late fight because his fight against Juan Angeletta was kind of a a grueling win, five round fight, and he just wanted time to recover, uh, which is cool. Uh, I just wish it was happening sooner because I really like that fight. It's also, I really like Patricio Pitbull. Fighting, I feel like for a while he was always fighting like Pat Curran or, um, <laughs> wow, who I'm blanking. Who's the one with the dreads? Chandler? No. Oh, um, uh, wow, it's going to bother me. He got, he got Daniel Strauss. Yeah, Strauss or Corrales or he felt like he was fighting like the same three or four fighters all the time. And now this tournament is really. Uh, but it, it also it, opens to a new window, right? Because there's going to be European fans uh, tuning in. Yeah. Like, I, I already feel like. Uh, Pitbull deserves way more international applause well, than he gets. Well, you know? even so, regardless, like yes, European, like a lot of European fighters will know his name. But now we had, we're going to talk about it sure, later, I'm sure. But like Chris Cyborg just won a championship. Lima's the champion. Pitbull, yeah. if he wins this tournament, he's still champ. And he wins the featherweight Grand Prix. Like Bellator, there's no excuse for them not to go to Brazil after this tournament if Patricio Pitbull wins. Bring them all there. Galerme Cruz has been having. Hernia's online trying to get those lads to Brazil, so I'm sure we'd be very happy if it happens. Well, perfect segue. Another question from Crumbo. Trumbo. I was going to call him Crumbo. That would have been nice. Uh, Cyborg's complicated legacy. What do you make of Cyborg's legacy? Four belts and four different organizations, including the UFC. Ten years unbeaten, but questionable competition due to lack of featherweight contenders. Ronda fight never materialized. KO lost to Nunes. Positive tests for PEDs. What do you make of her legacy? So, yes, as our good friend Trumbo pointed out, and as Esther Lynn made a phenomenal graphic on Instagram, uh, Chris Cyborg has won, won her fourth championship in her fourth organization uh, over the weekend when she dethroned Julia Budd with, I think it was like a 31 punch combination against the fence. Uh, looks the like. Vintage. I don't even want to say vintage because, like, we've seen that, like, recently. Like, we lo- she lost to. Amanda Nunes, but she was still like that's her only loss last ten years. Like she beat Felicia Spencer pretty handily. I don't care what Joe Rogan commentary said. She beat <laughs> she beat Kunitsky, she beat Home Home, she beat Tanya Avenger by TKO, she beat Kunitsky by TKO. So it's like she this vintage cyborg thing, like I don't even think she went away, but uh as Trumbo pointed out, she's had some complicated history. The PEDs, the quote-unquote lack of competition, which is not her fault. Uh, you can't fault her yeah. for that. I mean, she's fighting good fighters. She was just that much better. So what do you make of Chris Cyborg's legacy inside the cage? Oh, she's one of the greats, you know. Um, like, I feel like, right, okay, the PED thing, in every other sport, that seems to matter, but not ours. Um, right. I mean, Anderson Silva, John Jones, people, like, it's, it's the maybe it's the third or fourth thing people say about those guys. Um, you know, in terms of their legacy, when and I was talking to you about baseball players, like I only know guys like Barry Bonds because he was a, a drug cheat, mm-hmm. you know, or the the red haired dude, whatever his name was. But you know what I mean? Like it's, you know, it's like in other sports, Lance Armstrong. What's the first thing you think about Lance Armstrong? All the Tour de France's? No. 
Like, but we think about Anderson Silva, middleweight champion, uh, John Jones, basically undefeated. Uh, all of this stuff is an afterthought. Like, I mean, it's just the the consensus way of thinking within the sport. So I don't really feel like. Um, you know, we can factor that in for Cyborg if we're not doing it for everyone else. Like, I think she's one of the greatest fighters of all time, really, to be honest with you. I put a number two greatest female fighters of all time uh, after Amanda Nunes, and it's hard to... Oh, yeah, obviously. But, like, yeah. Ron, like that stretch of wins that Ronda had, like, like was... I can't remember a time in the UFC... Like, yes, everyone tunes in for Conor, but, like, everyone was tuning in for Ronda to see how fast she would win. Not yeah. like, would she win? It was like, how fast can she do it faster than 13 seconds? Can she do it faster than a minute? This and that. So, uh, obviously, it was a cultural thing. It's a cultural thing. Yeah. The same as, like, like even I was noticing Connor talking about Kobe Bryant the other day. Um, and he was saying, you know, the thing about him is people in Ireland don't even know about basketball, but we all know Kobe Bryant. He trans, like, you know, um, he transcended the sport. And that's what we have in Connor and Ron, the two people who have transcended the sport. So when we talk about greatest female fighters ever, a lot of people will say like Amanda, Chris, because of their wins. And I think it's because they're still fighting. So it's like recency bias. But like you can't not put Ronda. Like if you wanted yeah. to put Ronda 2A, 2B with Chris as the greatest female fighters ever, that's fine with me. If you want to put her as the greatest female fighter of all time, that's fine with me. I just think Amanda Nunes is the greatest because she's being pretty much everyone they've put in front of her, including Ronda, including Cyborg, uh, including NXT women's champion Shayna Baszler. A little WWE reference for you, Pizza Carol. Oh, uh, you know, I love them. <laughs> you know, I love them. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, like, it feels like, are we talking about the greatest fighter? Who is the best at fighting? Like, you know, it's different. Like, there's, yeah. like, the, the, Connor's thing and Ronda's thing are, are completely different when you when you encompass everything they brought to the game and the eyes they brought to the game and the interest and the cultural ramifications. But if we're just talking about fighters, without, without Amanda Nunes and then yeah. Cyborg. Yeah, in terms of their, their ability inside the octagon or cage, because people... <laughs> How, I don't know if you saw this, but a lot of people on Twitter were like the Bellator octagon. They re, they still refer to the cages as the like Chris Cyborg making her first walk to the octagon since leaving the UFC. I'm just like, nope, it's not an octagon. It's a Bellator cage. But yeah, the new alarm goes off every time that shit happens. Woo woo! It, 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 it reminds me of um, uh, the Tito Chuck Liddell Golden Boy MMA thing when they had the seating chart on like. They like 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 someone tweeted the seating chart. I think it might have been Oscar De La Hoya, and it still said the octagon in the center of the <laughs> arena. And I was like, "What are you doing here, guy?" Um, but yes, back to Chris Cyborg. Uh, four champions, four promotions, all all very impressive wins. Uh, I I how did, who did she, I can't remember who she beat for the Invicta Championship off the top of my head. It was, and I'm terrible because Marlies Cohen, TKO, beats Julia Budd, TKO, beats Tanya Eminger, TKO. So she's beating these fighters for the belts by TKO knockout. Uh, I asked a few female fighters leading up to her fight against Amanda Nunes, is this a fight for the greatest female fighter? But with the winner of that fight, be, should they can be considered the greatest fighter of all, female fighter of all time? And pretty much all of them said yes in terms of, like you said, actual ability inside the cage. Mm-hmm. I feel like the only thing that can even rival Nunes at the moment is, even though she's fought her already and beat her so many times, is like Shevchenko on a run at 125. I feel like she's just going to be out on her own for so long there. Yeah, you know, and, people, just, and then people, a lot of people think Shevchenko won the second fight. A lot of people, I remember, she, so the first fight was the first Connor nate fight, right? Was that UFC yeah. 196? And now it's three rounds. 
And I think the narrative coming out of that was like, oh, if Valentina had two more rounds, she could have won. And then she got two She was more only rounds. brand new then, basically. Yeah. You know, like, we'd only seen her once before that, I think. And so we we had known that she was this exceptional striker. And if I remember correctly, Amanda really grappled the shit out of her in that fight. Like, I can remember being on the ground and her, her, her dominating from top position a lot of the fight. And then, and then Amanda fought Misha Tate for the championship in her very next fight at UFC 200. Headlined. UFC 200. Uh, people, yes. forget, people forget about that. But I am curious how Amanda Nunes does off her back. I know Casey Lydon, our cameraman, constantly brings that up. He really wants to see Felicia Spencer fight Amanda Nunes if she wins uh, her next featherweight fight because Amanda Nunes wants to defend both belts. She wants that new fancy UFC belt. around. She wants two fancy UFC belts. Uh, I like the Spencer fight. I feel like if Megan Anderson wins her next fight, they'll probably give it to Megan Anderson. But Spencer has a win over Megan Anderson, uh, which makes the Spencer-Cyborg fight all the more weird that they booked that fight because Cyborg was probably out the door anyway, and she knocks off a contender. But that's another conversation we can have. We're going to move right along. Uh, Jay's store. Can refs hear commentary and doesn't matter? I'll probably never get to sit ringside of the UFC event. Don't say that. Anything is possible. I don't know what it sounds like in there. Can the refs hear the commentators? Do you think the refs are ever influenced to stop a fight based on commentary? I think I'm thinking of Joe Rogan yelling stuff like he's out and stop the fight and it's over. I would think if you're a ref trying to make a tough decision hearing, that could influence you in the moment. So I can say on regional scenes. Oh, yeah. I, you could hear the the referees can hear the commentary. Uh, I've been at some local Arizona fights that like are broadcast on like local stations or they're like what they're streamed online or stuff. You can definitely hear the commentators, uh, especially if the arena is so small. I've had this. I've I've experienced this a few times. The arena is so small that the concourse is so close and so small. And the, there's not a lot of fans at the early fights and they're streaming the fights on the TV in the concourse that I could hear the broadcasters from the TV on the conference. Wow. Like through the, I they they did one at the Cosmo. It was the Mendez Frankie fight and the um, Oh, was that that, yeah. And then the Page Sage fight, Sage fight and it was the similar situation where it was really early on in the fight card so there weren't a lot of fans there. And since the con- everything is like so compact, Brian Stan was was doing the commentary, and you could hear his voice from the speakers of the concourse. And I remember hearing someone just go, "Stan, shut up!" Like because you could hear him. So, but in terms of like a big UFC fight, because I assume this is what they're referring to, or a Bellator fight or whatever, I can't even hear the commentators, and I'm sitting like ten feet away from them, uh, octagon side. So no, I doubt the referees can hear the fights. The 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 comment. The, plus, there's a lot of like I don't know if I'm sure you've heard it when they're walking around the octagon. It's not that quiet when they're taking steps or like when they're leaning against the fence and the crowd is going crazy. Like, so no, I don't want to speak for any of the referees because I've never refereed a fight and I never will referee a fight, but I highly doubt they can hear the commentators during big UFC fights. I um like no, I don't think so during UFC fights, but um I've definitely seen it on the regional scene where you feel like a corner is nearly prompted a guy to stop a fight. You know, where it's like their fighter, the coach of the fighter who's winning is like landing some good shots and might not be it might not be time to call it and they're like, Oh, it's over, it's over, it's over and you see the referee like who's maybe ref like five fights before, like, Oh shit, yeah, it's <laughs> over. You know what I mean? Like, sure. I've seen that I've seen that before, but not in the UFC, I've gotta say. Yeah, definitely not in the UFC plus like the UFC like Especially in the big pay-per-views, they only get the best of the best, like John McCarthy before he signed over with Bellator, Herb Dean, Mark Goddard, like Dan Mergliata. Like they're not gonna let Joe Rogan's commentary uh, dictate whether they stop a fight or not. Uh, yeah. 
And I want to say a lot of people that are watching this live or listen, a lot of people are talking that we don't pay attention to the YouTube comments. I pay attention to all the YouTube comments. You oh, guys oh, just, don't pay, I don't pay attention to anything. I'm, I pay attention to the YouTube comments live because sometimes we get great questions. There's just no questions right now. Someone says if Ronda would have beat Nunes, she cleaned out the division. Yeah, I agree. If Ronda had beat Nunes again. Nunes came after Ronda. Ronda's big mistake is she never fired that horrible coach of hers. That's a little rough. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Shaboyzin is proving that Tardverdian is, in fact, a fantastic coach. Yeah, Shabazian, I put out that graphic, like who's the which undefeated fighter will win yeah, the UFC like championship that. next. And I'm going to throw him under the bus, but Alex K. Lee is like, uh, Corey Sanhagen's not undefeated. I'm like, that's Edmund Shabazian, dork. Uh, oh, he God. couldn't. Yeah, Look. right. But it might have been the steroids. Might yeah, have been the steroids. Probably. Uh, someone says, Pizza, get another nose ring. He doesn't even have a nose ring. <laughs> One nose ring, dude. <laughs> Imagine a boy, a boy Akira and next of all I show up with a nose ring. Come oh. on now. I, I, I used to call you Stan. I'd be standing you if I started that stuff, right? That's very true. That's very true. Yeah. Someone says, AJ McGee versus Darian Caldwell and then did a thumbs up face or thumbs up emoji. Don't know who AJ McGee is. We're very excited to see who he is, though. Uh, interesting question uh, from someone called Mr. Brooks. Pico won this weekend and Boric's loss. How do you homies feel about a little redemption for Pico and setting up the rematch? Don't like it. Uh, I mean, no. I wouldn't. Dude, like, he could win. He he could win that fight. Like, look, he dominated Boric's up until he didn't. You know, but but what's the point in rushing him now? Like, yeah. he fought, like, a, a guy who was, what, 7-4 and four or 7-5 and five or something, and you're going to put him in with this guy, this prospect that they have who's coming off his first loss. Why would you put him back, these two, against each other again? I, I feel like it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, I like that fight as a high-level martial arts fight, but I don't like that fight happening immediately. So, uh, to be determined. Someone says, Jose, is Brandon Schaub your hero? Nope, not even a little bit. What the fuck? Where would they get that from? Like, I mean, he's the antithesis of Brandon haven't you Haven't you seen the tweets? Everyone keeps calling me Brandon Schaub's gay cousin. I don't know why. Peachy <laughs> <laughs> Carroll's losing his mind right now. I don't know where it started. All of a sudden, I started getting tweets about that. Oh, fucking hell. I thought I was going to spit water all over the screen there. So Someone's, people were like tweeting at me and tagging him. And I was like, where did this even ha come from? Like, I have to be like, I've been called Brandon Schaub's gay cousin. I've been called g -Eazy. I've been called a magician. I've been called a... <laughs> I've been called a gypsy. <laughs> I've been called a gypsy. Like, I don't know where you guys are all getting these from, but keep them coming. But uh, someone says, I'll fight you both at once. I personally walk around at welterweight. All right. Same here. Yeah. All right. Moving back to the questions. Uh, blah, blah, blah. What? I want to smash that fella's head in, though. Just make sure you tell him that. Give him a date and a time to meet us. Oh, someone was asked uh, to be the interesting comment, but I'll, I'll, I'll link. So, someone says, SJ, actually, let's do it now. SJY, uh, in response to the can referees hear the commentary, similar thing may have happened in the NFL. I don't have to tell you about the NFL pizza, Carol. Oh, of course. When league officials heard Tony Romo's commentary for the Titans-Chiefs game they and then called a penalty on Titans, former NFL referee Terry... I can't pronounce this last name. I'm not even going to try. Terry McGuiley, McGuiley, as I actually try and pronounce it. Now an officiating analyst for NBC wrote on Twitter that it looked like the New York officiating office got in touch with the referee on the field after Romo pointed out the missed call. That's a violation of the league's rules, but it's an open secret that it happens sometimes. So, open secret... 
I'm sure it happens. I know for a fact it's happened on the low on the regional circuit when there's not there's maybe 300 fighters, 300 fighters, 300 fans watching, but definitely not in the UFC or Bellator. Uh, Kesa versus RDA in the in the comment section on the site because I see a lot of YouTube comments asking about this fight too. I'll just ask it right now. Hello there, from Lodovic. Hello there. Were you Lodovic, all sur- what's happening, baby? Were you all surprised by the results of the fight? And what do you see next for these guys? I know Kiesa called out Covington, but wouldn't it be fun if he fought Connor next? Have we ever seen a fight where one of the fighters is suing another one? What about RDA? <laughs> He's probably not getting anywhere near the welterweight title anytime soon. Should he start talk- talking to Jose Aldo's nutritionist? Thanks. So, first part of the question. What did you make of Michael Kiesa's three-round decision win over Rafael Dos Anjos this weekend in the co-main event of UFC Raleigh. PT, I don't know if you watched it. I, I did. did. Uh, I think I, I tweeted about this. I think Kiesa's game plan, if you had to ask me what his game plan would be, was pretty much what he displayed. There's so much tape on like high-level wrestlers having success against Rafael Dos Anjos, like Kamaru, Colby uh, Covington, like a lot of, and it's recently, like these five-round fights against Rafael Dos Anjos. There's so much tape on RDA. Uh, and then when he your, normally wins, is guys that strike with him, like he beat, uh, not always, but he beat uh, Robbie Lawler. Yes, Robbie Lawler's mm-hmm. knee like erupted underneath him. Uh, he has that submission win over Kevin Lee, who was coming up from lightweight to welterweight in his first fight. But, uh, so Kiesa's game plan, I think was perfect. He pretty much took a playbook out of uh, Covington and Kamaru's book and just had some striking ducked in, took him down, this and that. What did you make of Michael Chiesa's performance against Rafael Dos Anjos? Yeah, I thought it was great. Um, he looks huge as well. Holy he looks massive. Like I, mean, like, I mean, I'd say Dos Anjos is in around the same size as Connor. would you say, at 170. Like, I mean, in terms of height, width, like that kind of stuff, would you, would you say he's around there? Michael Chiesa? He looks no, sorry, not no, not Michael Chiesa, Rafael Dos Anjos. Yeah, he's about, he's he's a thick boy. Yeah, he's a thick guy. But that, that also had me looking at it, going like, you know, the one seventy, you know, the Connors fight now is very different than Chiesa, where he's at, like where he's this monster, right? I think but some, I, someone said Michael Chiesa was like hundred and eighty pounds walking into the octagon. I thought he'd be bigger, to be honest. He was like, huge. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's really impressive and great to see him kind of looking healthy on fight week and stuff because some of those cuts to 55 when he was on the scales it was worrying, you know what I mean? He was so shredded and shit, like, and he always looked like he was nearly gray. Um, so I, I, I felt like he kind of nearly wasted the call out, though, with, with Colby Covington, if I'm going to be honest, because I feel like it's just not not really going to happen. You know, it's it, yeah. like Covington's going to come back and he's going to be dropping bombs left right and center and he's gonna have a fight against one of the big names in the division like if woodley beats leon you'd imagine that'd be a fight they'd want to set up in the future usman and, and Kobe are gonna always have um beef because of what a great fight they put on and all right. the all the all the stuff that was there and um, i can't really think off the top of my head who, who i'd like him to see fight immediately i do i do understand his point though with the with the lawsuit i play <laughs> the mcgregor fight could be brilliant but um yeah i was very impressed with him i guess I'm pulling up the UFC rankings right now. Off the top of my head, I imagine he is Michael Chiesa's seventh. He could fight Stephen Thompson, sitting at six. Uh, I know Damian Maia and Gilbert Burns have a fight. If Gilbert Burns wins, that I imagine Gilbert Burns will jump up into the top ten. He's sitting at twelve. Maia sitting at five. So maybe the winner of that fight, uh, Tyron Woodley at one, and Leon Edwards at four, fighting. So maybe he could fight the loser of that. Uh, Robbie Lawler's out there. Jeff Neal's coming off a really impressive win. But 
Uh, Mike Chiesa said he's not going backwards. He's only fighting fighters uh, that are above him in the rankings. So, But if it's like 6-7, maybe. So maybe the winner of Maya uh, Gilbert Burns, I think that's a little fun grappling match. Whoever wins that, maybe. Yeah. Like Steven Thompson's reco- still recovering from an injury. Vicente Luque is still out there. So, uh, long story short, there's we're not Michael Case is not going to be hurting for a high level fight. Uh, but if he wants to stick to his guns of fighting people only ranked above him, that he might have to wait a little while. Mm, mm, I agree. Uh, Dorji Area, I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name in the YouTube comment section. What do you guys think about Brendan Schaub saying the UFC is the best promotion in terms of talent and competition uh, and competition level, but Josh Thompson and Big John McCarthy not agreeing to it? Love from India. So shout out to India for the fantastic. Does, did Josh Thompson and Big John McCarthy not work for Bellator? Yes. Okay, this is a silly question. <laughs> Uh, I won't say they're like I think I don't say all, the best fighters are only in the UFC because we see Lima, no, Pitbull, no. Chandler, all that. But if you're looking at like who constantly puts on the most competitive fights, I mean everyone's going to point to the UFC. Oh, like Bellator, some of the fights they put on over here are absolutely ridiculous. Like they're not even like you know we know like there's, there's literally nobody is like oh maybe the other guy's going to win. It's just literally okay we're here to watch you know. A lot of prospects beat up guys this week. You know, that that's basically why it is. Um, you know, look, and even, like, I think Roberto Saldic is one of the best fighters in the world. He fights for KSW. I, I, like, I mean, uh, look at the prospects list. I mean, it, there's so many fighters that are amazing world talents that aren't in the UFC. But I do think when it comes to the, the actual cream of the crop fights, you, you can't beat the UFC. They're, go- they're going to be able to put on the, the the most lucrative and most interesting fights because they have the best fighters across the board on, on their cards, I believe, anyway. Yep, I couldn't agree more. The, every fight every fight promotion is going to be have their their superstars. They might be a little top-heavy. I mean, Jose Shorty Torres signed with Brave, and he's, I think, one of the best flyweights, bantamweights out there. I mean, I remember when he was like a two-division champ in Titan, he wanted to go for a third. He was actually bulking up to go up after a third yeah. championship, and now all of a sudden he gets cut, and now he's a Brave, so just top-heavy. I was wondering about that as well. Actually, just today I was speaking about this because a guy called Jake Hadley has been announced as a signing for Cage Warriors, and he's a brilliant flyweight, but I heard he had been talking to Brave, and I was like, well, that's a na- naturally a great fight, mm-hmm. uh, Shorty Torres v. Jake Hadley, but do you believe if Shorty hadn't signed a multi-fight deal with Brave, he'd already be back, because I certainly do. Has uh, he shot himself in the foot, that, like, in, in a way? That's difficult to say, because Shorty Torres was putting out those YouTube videos of, like, kind of oh, pulling... Yes. He, he was yeah. pulling the yeah. curtain back a little bit on finances, and he, like, giving... Talking about, like, oh, it looks like... I remember he was like, looks like the UFC is just cutting all the flyweights. Like, he was saying that before it was actually happening on his YouTube, so... He it's, was the red flag, was he? Was he? Was that the red flag that initially kind of? Because when he, he was a talent, right? He's a prospect. And when he went, we were kind of like, "What the hell's going on here?" Even though he hadn't won every fight in the UFC or whatever, he was considered a great prospect. Yeah, he. I think he was one and one in the UFC. He he beat. Yeah. Uh, I can't. He, he fought in Utica, and then he lost uh, UFC 227. I can't remember. I think he beat Jared Brooks in Utica, and I think he lost to Alex Perez at UFC 227. Uh, and then all of a sudden he gets cut, but that was like when he gets cut on that wave of flyweights. They were all like Brandon Moreno was cut, Tim Elliott, like all these great flyweights. Now they're coming back. I can't speak for Shorty Torres, uh, but I know his father just passed away and he had to pull out of his fight because he wasn't emotionally ready to fight again. Uh, but I would like to see him fight some of the best. I-, I would love to see him and Alex Perez run it back or him and uh, Figueroa and all that stuff. But 
Who knows? We're getting a lot of questions from this one individual. Uh, Aldo versus Hudo is is set for Brazil because they only have a Nunes as champ. Do you think that's like... Basically, I think he's saying, like, do you think they just want Jose Aldo to win so they can have another Brazilian champion? No. Yeah. And then someone goes... <laughs> what? Someone asks, what do you think about Henry versus Aldo? I think it's a disgrace to the sport and shits on the bantamweight. Your thoughts. I don't like the fight. I mean, I like the fight. I don't like yeah. that he made the fight. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that is the way to put it. I like the fight, but I don't like the fight. Yeah. If this was if this was in the natural <clears throat> pain order and this was happening, I'd be overjoyed by the, the fact that it's happening. But it, it actually, like, the sport, again, I say this all the time, it's way more established in the U.S. You can get away with stuff like this a lot more. It's been around for a long time. The dogs in the street know what MMA is. But this BMF stuff, this... This, oh, a guy who just lost a fight gets a title shot. All this stuff kind of flies in the face of the sport being actually recognized in this part of the world, you know? Like, as in a meritocracy-based sport where where the merit of your victories pushes you towards a title. What? So I spoke with Kelleher about this, and we seem to be in agreement that. But I would like to your, hear, hear your thoughts. What do you think of Romero getting a title shot coming off two straight losses? Yeah, I mean, I feel like we have talked before. Like, I mean... I feel like it, it makes more sense because of the situation that the middleweight division is in. But when there's a guy like Jan just there, you know, when there's there's Aljo, all these guys that are seem to be lining up, it, it just feels like a bad idea. Like, where where else are you going to go with Stoilbender at the moment if, if if everyone's injured or a guy like Darren Till's just arrived in the division with a win? Like, it's tough. Hermanson's just got uh, <clears throat> rolled over by Cannoneer. You know, Cannoneer's still building his stock to a certain extent in the, in the division. Robert Whitaker's not active at the moment you know like what else are you gonna do and, like and romero's and i think it's also a little different in the sense that jose aldo was coming off a loss in his bantamweight debut or romero <laughs> has a resume at middleweight where he's pretty much the boogeyman for a long time like he's being a who's who not named robert whitaker and then that paulo costa fight a lot of people think romero won so his stock is set at middleweight, and Jose Aldo is now 0-1 in his new division, fighting a champ champ when there's already established contenders at 135. It's not like Romero was, like if you look at the rankings, like Romero's probably the next man up anyway in terms of ranking. So I think it's a little different. Uh, someone says, what and, it's, you- and it's also like the matchup, right? Because <clears throat> we know that Yael Romero is absolutely a horrific matchup for this amazing guy who's come out, come out and reinvigorated the sport for yeah. even hardened people like us. Like that, that it's amazing <laughs> matchup in that sense as well. Yeah, and plus, Izzy really wanted this fight because I think he wants... Well, I don't think... I know he wants to fight Romero before because Romero's on the wrong side of 40. Uh, He wants to fight Romero before he's past his prime so he can say, like, I didn't just beat him because he's an old man. Uh, But speaking of this bantamweight division, someone says, what do you think about Corey Sahagin versus Peter Yan? I like... That's a brilliant fight. That is an unbelievable fight. I like that fight, but there's a lot of other fights I like too. I like I like Peter Jan versus Aljamain Sterling for another I like but Corey Sanhagen supposedly fighting uh Frankie Edgar next. Like the winner of that fight could fight Peter like Frankie Edgar versus Peter Jan would be another like if Peter I do think he needs one of those fights, Jan. I do think he needs like a prestige builder that will make him more of a like I mean, this is why Henry Zahudo's fighting Aldo. It's a way bigger name fight. Um, like Jan has already obviously taken out Faber, but he he has gone from like his his stock has raised so much off the back of that Faber fight. 
you know, it's unbelievable. Like, I had no doubt in my mind that that was going to happen either. Like, absolutely no doubt. Like, So I feel like any of these guys, like, you put Edgar in against a Jan, I don't fancy Edgar's chances, but it definitely makes him more of a commodity and that will allow people like Zahudo to want to fight him. Like, And I feel like Jan's open to it as well, although he is goading and goading Zahudo. I think a guy, like, you know, with, with big stock, um, in, in in any sense in the UFC and Edgar and Aldo, you know, Faber as we've seen already, I think you'd be very interested in that. Peter Jans would just become the the legend killer. Just fight legend after legend after legend. Like fight Frank Edgar next and then beat Frank. so many different names. And then no beat, mercy and then, to and then, gangster. And then fight Marlon Moraes. Just fight just fight legends. Just clean out all the legends of the Bantamweight division and then fight for the championship. I think it'd be great. I, I, I think I'm telling you when this guy can speak English it's going to be hilarious he does Eurobash I think he's done it three times and he, he speaks complete Russian throughout the the uh, episode and you can hear everyone laughing in the background and at the end he always just threatens my life in English very slightly and hangs up the phone I love that guy <laughs> and you said it yourself like uh, MMA is only going to get bigger in Russia right now with this uh, yeah. doping ban uh, which if you haven't heard or watched it I spoke with Alexei Olenek at it, about it at length at the UFC 246 media day. I asked him one question, and he basically just started talking, and I just held the mic. I was like, yes, yes, sir, yes, sir. Don't choke me. <laughs> yeah, he wasn't so talkative after the fact, but he also couldn't actually stand up because his leg was that badly injured, sure. so we'll let him away with that one. Uh, we're going to hop over to Twitter. You can use hashtag the ASAN on Twitter, or you can just reply to the comment section like this. Uh, young, up-and-coming fan, uh, Niall McGrath, tweeted at us. <laughs> he said, uh, first of all, Jose, you are a better man than me in every aspect of the game. <laughs> your hair your hair is amazing. You are a one. You are the one true Irishman uh, next to P.C. Carroll in terms of co-hosting. I will never be as good. Wow, this is a lot of characters for a tweet. Props to you, Niall. <laughs> I will never be as good as you. I will never make sandwiches as good as you. And I will never look as good as you. Shout out to Wes Meath for, for producing the greatest, second greatest Irish MMA media member of all time after PC Carroll. Well, thank you so much for the, the nice words, Niall. Uh, I'm sure we'll hear from you in the future when you make it big. <laughs> it's great of him to offer the olive branch like this. This is what I was trying to tell him on Eurobatch. I was like, I need you to to be friends. And um, looks like he's finally decided that uh, he'll be friends. Very glad to see it. Do you want to know what he actually said? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking forward to going from A to A and E side? I don't know what that means. Uh, uh, accident and emergency. That's where you're brought if you get battered in the streets. I run the fields. <laughs> Of Westmead, we need sir. to make up a gang sign for West. Oh, there it is, Westmead. Ooh, I like that. That's like Wu Tang right there. But anyway, Nile, it's great to hear from you. You can always come to me for advice as your el as your elder and mentor and life mentor. Uh, what's that? Who's that tall cat that Conor McGregor is always walking around with? The life coach. Graham. The life oh, coach. Sorry, <laughs> Tony Robbins. Did you just compare Graham to Tony Robbins? Yes. So uh, as your t as. Tony Robbins is to Connor. I will be to this young upstart, Niall McGrath. You can always come to me for advice. But moving along, uh, someone called Straight F at Talking Facts One. Pete's question for Pete. Oh, I love this guy. I love this guy. <laughs> can we talk about former SVG fighter uh, Johnny Dargan, who got six years today for murdering a man cold blooded four years ago, also assaulting another man and threats to kill witnesses on the night? Please cyber, cy cyber this, Pizzi. Let us know how you feel about what he did. 
I'm reading that verbatim, so if there's any misspellings in there, I apologize. <laughs> no, cyber is definitely a word. Yeah, he got five and a half years for unlawful killing today in Dublin. Um, he he was he was a really celebrated uh, striker in Taekwondo. Like I believe he was on the national team, like represented Ireland internationally. Um, I would have covered him. I think he fought four four or five times in MMA. Um, he's like one and three, but I mean, when he actually started fighting in MMA, he was probably about forty five. And um, he was he was like, uh, if you remember, Conor McGregor used to use a lot of spinning techniques. Uh, Johnny yeah. was pretty instrumental uh, when he when it came to him learning these wheel kicks and stuff like that. He was like a Taekwondo coach down there. Um, but uh, yeah, that, that's pretty much what happened. I believe he was walking. He was in a, a kind of an argument with his wife uh, or his girlfriend at the time that became his wife. And um a guy came up and tried to stop the argument and he hit him and, and the guy died. Um, I don't know if it was when he hit the ground or whatever way it was, but uh, that certainly happened. But that guy's an asshole who asks that question. Uh, because I was like, maybe American people don't really want to know about this niche fighter from Dublin today. He's like, calls me a pussy. Like, what the fuck is wrong with you, dude? I'll smack you around the place. Come and say it to me in my face. You're, you're obviously from Ireland. Like, come on, idiot. And then he goes to me, oh, you're not, you're not, you're afraid you're going to get blacklisted. I've been blacklisted plenty of times, mate. I don't need I don't need an excuse. Thank you very much. So remain you're gonna remain blocked though. You're not getting back in. So to put that summarize that PT Carroll answers this individual's question, challenges to Tumo Fight, and he remains blocked on Twitter. So uh PT Carroll is doesn't host uh the A side for a little while, it's probably because he is on the run. <laughs> yeah, from straight facts. Oh, terrifying. <laughs> He actually got all the facts wrong, basically, in the tweet. But, yeah, how and ever. Well done. Andy Stevenson on Twitter says, if PT could make one domestic Irish fight right now, what would it be? Oh, do you know what? This was a great question. And that other asshole distracted me from it because I was actually sitting there going, this is a great one. Um, I'd love to see Norman Park and Paul Redmond again. I love, I love fight. that fight. That was a brilliant fight. Um, I'd also like to see... Um, Moyles Price, right? So he bet Peter mm -hmm. Queeley, and it's mm -hmm. like he completely disappeared off the face of the earth. While Peter Queeley's now fighting Brent Primus. Like, I mean, I'd like to see Moyles, because he had that whole beef with Queeley about the Habib camp and all that stuff. I'd like to see Moyles put against another SBG guy. Kiefer Crosby's not going to thank me for this, but that is the fight. Kiefer Crosby v. Moyles, because they did have a lot of beef. Mo uh, Kiefer's this guy, undefeated, lots of, lots of hype. Um, I feel like a fight between him and Moyles will compel the whole event again like we saw with Queeley and Miles um, and and really Miles like I like he, he's talking about oh you know I, I want to step up from Queeley and Queeley's far more experienced than Kiefer but I feel as though Kiefer's got so much stock at the moment that that would be a brilliant fight for Miles to get in like I think Kiefer's far more well known internationally than Miles and if Miles thinks he can beat him he should fight him because that would project him onto a whole new level and from Kiefer's point of view Kiefer is kind of you know to establish himself against a guy who just bet Queeley, that would be unbelievable for him. That would just show his levels, you know, on a huge to a huge extent. So um, yeah, I think that'd be a great fight to do. Miles Price is the one that trained with Habib before the Connor fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember that whole beef. <laughs> but that was great because was. Um, Bellator, Bellator capitalized on it and they made the fight, and that nearly felt like a little sequel. Same way as Artem v. Pauly felt like a little sequel. Yeah. I, I felt that it worked very well. It's never going to go away. Uh, someone oh, says, 
Andy Stevenson follows up. Can Jose, shout outs for including the accent on Jose. Can Jose break down a potential fight between himself and Niall McGrath by looking <laughs> at their respective skill sets? Why would I want to fight a young up and coming journalist? You know, this man, Niall, comes to me for advice on how to just, you know, live his life as a good, honest man. Why would I want to fight this man? I'm trying to mentor this man and Shep. I will be his Sherpa through life. I'm not going to be fighting him. Increase the peace. Sean Denny, uh, will PT Carroll be traveling to any events outside of UFC, Bellator, or Cage Warriors this year? <laughs> He's asking me if I'm going to a KSW event there, basically, isn't he? Yeah. Of course Sean Denny is. He's like the, the god of KSW over here. But um, I'd love to go to a KSW event. If they do one of them stadium shows, um, I'd, lo- I'd love to cover that. I know Esther and Casey have talked about that as well. I like, want to go to a KSW no, event. No, no. Just, just me, Casey, and Esther. Oh, okay. That's all that's happening. All right. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I'd love to do one of those. And I'd love that, you know, Casey and Esther are the best in the business. Having them there shooting this and, and, and doing um, video and follow on it, I'd say, would be unbelievable for KSW as well. So that's something I'd love to do. And I think they are talking about doing it. Like, I mean, people, like I always say, these guys nearly sold out a 60,000 seat stadium. It was like 58,000, 57,000. And every time I say it, people are in the comments, yeah, but they sold the tickets for $10 and all. Who cares? <laughs> You're right. 60,000 people. Who cares? Like, I mean, whatever you have to do right like i mean who else is doing shit like this i mean do you know how many people are comped into events that are apparently sold out as well get over yourselves lads so yes sean hopefully a ksw event this year mma duration on twitter whose uh official name is just heart emojis uh like that predictions for rose namajunas's comeback fight against jessica andrage at ufc 249 i think it is in brooklyn co-main event three-round fight uh what do you think of them running it back I think it's nearly like Pico and Barracks again yeah. um, because like Rose beautiful work with her jab um, until she got slammed on her head um, so I feel like like you know Rose can definitely win it um, Jessica obviously capable of stopping people very very suddenly and quickly um, I kind of feel as though this time off for Rose will, will do her the power of good though I, I, I wouldn't be I'd put my money on Rose if I was a betting man I would, too. I think she looks phenomenal up until she got, like you said, got dropped on her head. Uh, she's taken a lot of time off. I think, what, she lose in May. She lost to Jessica Andrade in May in the second round. Uh, and I think she's rediscovered her love of mixed martial arts. She said, I remember leading up to that fight, she'd also been gone. Like, she'd beat Joanna in April, I think, uh, in the rematch at UFC, what was that, 223? Was that the Brooklyn card, I want to say? You know this event? stuff. I don't know this stuff. Jesus Christ. I think it was UFC, I think it was UFC 223 was the, the Dolly incident. And then eventually Habibi I came to in the main event, but Joanna, uh, Rose beat Joanna five-round decision in the rematch in the co-main event, and then she took a lot of time off until May. And then she came back and got dropped on her head against Jessica Andrade in enemy territory, by the way. Uh, so I do favor – I would favor Rose. It is a three-round fight, too. I can't remember the last time we saw Rose in a three-round fight. Oh, yeah. Um, from Stuart Tuckwell. At Stuart Tuckle on Twitter. How much public interest is there in seeing Cyborg fight for Bellator again after she comfortably beat Bud at the week at the weekend? Uh, just a reminder, I'm reading these verbatim. Okay. For, for me, the only fights I am interested in is seeing her in a rematch against Nunes or fighting Kayla Harrison in the PFL 155 tournament. So, uh, PC Carroll, what else is out there for Chris Cyborg at Bellator? I mean, it's tough. That it's completely up to Bellator here to to make compelling matchups. Like, I mean, I know Irish fans immediately have been talking about, oh, uh, Sinead Kavanagh. If they did the if they did the rematch between Sinead and Leslie Smith and and Sinead had her hand raised, like Sinead's a 
a highly decorated boxer, like ridiculous yeah. level amateur boxer. If like that's a that's a, a compelling fight for that reason. I don't know how well she do. Obviously, you're gonna fight, favor Cyborg, but like I mean, imagine Cyborg coming to Ireland to fight. Like that would be absolutely <laughs> mental. Like that would be that would be like people would love that. Like I can't like it was I can remember the first time I saw Cyborg fight live in Invicta. It was the in the Cosmo that night. And it was like a religious experience, yeah. even watching her walk out. Like, she is, she's larger than life, you know? Um, and I feel like that would be absolutely a sellout in Ireland. Um, but, uh, look, I, I think Leslie Smith, like, there's a lot of people there, like, that she, Leslie Smith rematch, but I feel like, you Here's, know, it's up to Bellator here to make it interesting, to be honest. She could fight uh, Arlene Blankow. I think that's how you pronounce her name. Uh, she's fought, she's, I, I think she's one of the more tenor featherweights on the Bellator roster in terms of like actual like she might she might not have the greatest record but she actually has a lot of fights under Bellator in the featherweight division and then one other name you might have forgotten Kaz Ngano is signed with Bellator she's oh, also shit that's a that's a great fight like I mean they can they can do that whenever right yep she has not fought she... in the UFC yeah I think her la- her last fight was to Megan Anderson uh when she got kicked in the eye and then oh she... that was horrific yeah 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 I really like Kat going into that fight as well you know so I would say Cat would be a good one. Arlene would be a good one. Sinead would be a good one. Uh, not the level of competition like the Amanda, like an Amanda Nunes fight, like the rematch. I think if if you had to ask me right now, what one fight would I want to see Cyborg t- take? It's the Amanda Nunes rematch, but that's not possible right now. So not the highest level of competition, but you're not going to get. Yeah, you're not going to get like people are saying like why did she, why didn't she leave the UFC this and that like what is the UFC's female featherweight division? Like what is it? It's like three or four fighters. And Jermaine Durand to me when she's interested. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah, it's, like uh, it's crazy. Former champion. And she's like, I don't even want to fight there, man. Exactly. So <laughs> it's, <know> I, mean? <laughs> I feel like she, like, like she said, she would have more chances, opportunities to continue fighting if she, st- if she signed, when she signed with Bellator. Uh, we're running up on time. So just a few more uh, from Valentino Saifedean Tarhan. I apologize for pronouncing her name. Uh, Yoel getting a title shot. Dana making Aldo versus Cejudo. In my opinion, this is bad for the sport, and I have no interest in these fights when there are contenders ready for the title. Guys coming off losses, getting the shot. Jared should be next for Izzy and Sterling for Cejudo. Well, I believe Aljamain Sterling just got back into trading after his surgery uh, last fall, and Jared Cannonier was already booked to fight Robert Whitaker before that fell off, and supposedly the Darren Till fight is up in the air because Darren Till might have injured his ankle. Uh, so I don't hate I don't hate the Romero fight nearly as much as I hate the Aldo fight. Yeah, yeah, I th- I think that's exactly how I feel about it to be honest. But I do I do agree with this guy in that it's setting a horrific precedent, you know, letting letting guys off losses come in and fight for titles. Someone says uh, interesting. He throws the name out. What if Bellator signs Clarissa Shields for an MMA oh, fight? Oh, well, they're mates, aren't they? Like, I mean, Cyborg and Clarissa have trained together and stuff. They're yeah. always bigging each other up. I feel like, like, I feel like if Clarissa's going anywhere, she's going to the UFC. Like, I mean, she was peddled around them events and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, to the media circles and stuff. So, you know, and, and look, what? Like, if Clarissa Shields coming to MMA, please don't put her in against Cyborg for her first fight. Like, or Amanda Nunes. People keep saying like uh, Shields and Nunes, like. Let Nunes welcome Shields into the into the UFC. That's crazy. Like, you guys are nuts. Like she would destroy Clarissa Shields in an MMA fight. Like don't be ridiculously. Like. She's even said like I don't know if after UFC uh, 245 in in December she was like I'm gonna wrestle the shit out of you. Like people are like oh yeah, stand yeah, and bang. She's like why would I do that? I'm gonna wrestle the shit out of her. Those are her exact yeah. words. 
Yeah, it's unbelievable, man. Um, someone says Cruz versus Sterling, Jan versus Moraes. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> okay. Someone says, can you please break down Figueredo versus Joe B? Uh, fighting in the Norfolk card, but the lo- uh, kind of forgotten about under the radar flyweight fight, uh, title fight. What do you make of this fight? Oh, it's going to be class. I feel like it's just going to be like a whirlwind. Do you know what I mean? I feel like it's just two Tasmanian devils ripping it up. Um, look, it's like Joe B's story is going to be highlighted a lot here coming up in the lead up to this fight. Like, I mean, unbelievable the guy that's been here since day one the guy that's been here like a bantamweight right before even the flyweight division came along he like in the ufc am i right yeah 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 like i mean he fought in the first title fight like great yeah absolutely like he's a he's a savage um and look figueredo just happens to be another absolute beast that is fighting that flyweight like i'm not gonna lie man i feel like figueredo is like he looks unbelievable like his fight his fight in July against Pantoja was my fight of the night. Like, that fight Pantoja was bananas. Is fucking unbelievable, man. Pantoja is unbelievable. And this week, ah, oh, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I feel like every fan who's been around for a long time will be very happy to see Joe B finally do it. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, at this stage, it was great to do it. He has to beat Figueredo first. That's really hard. That's so hard, man. Have you watched the dude? It's, um,. It's very tough. I can't wait for the fight, though. The fight is brilliant. Uh, the UFC's resident movie expert, Joseph Benavides. We got a little fun video uh, <laughs> yeah. coming out soon. I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, Andy Stevenson has another question. He goes, I needed more than 140 characters for this. So he wrote a note and then tweeted a picture <laughs> of the note. So, so because he put so much work into it. Uh, wow. Someone just tweeted, uh, UFC champ Kamaru Usman and BMF champ Hori Manzwa almost just got into it on Radio Row in Miami. Okay, looks like they're both there for the Super Bowl. Uh, Blades versus Rosenstreak. Should Curtis Blades fight Jairzinho Rosenstreak, regardless of who wins between Rosenstreak and Iganu? Big Fran is clearly number one, but obviously has to get through Biggie Boy first. D says Steep A3, likely to happen, but will take time. If Francis wins, he fights for title next. A third Blades fight makes no sense, so make Biggie Boy versus Blades. Biggie Boy wins, does he fight for the title or fight Blades for number one contendership? Uh, if Biggie Boy beats Francis, his next fight should be for the championship. I like Curtis Blaze versus, uh, was it Volkov? I think that's a good fight to make. My head hurts trying to actually just compute that. Keep it to 140 characters, Andy. Jesus, you know I can't consume that much information. So what is actually the question there? Like, I feel like it was basically, like a poem Basically, should Curtis Blaze fight Jairzinho next regardless? regardless yeah. Yeah, yeah I, I agree with him, yeah. I don't. Really, I like that fight, but I don't want like if Jairzinho wins and then Curtis Blade wins, that'd be a good number one contendership fight. But if Jairzinho loses, do you want to risk like would Curtis Blades just want to stay active? I think he would want to fight something coming off a win, so that's why I like the Volkov fight a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like like it's definitely an option. You know what I mean? Um, I can't wait for Ngannou v Biggie Boy. <laughs> We're talking about this is going to be absolutely mental. When is that fight? March? March yeah. 8th? Uh, it's the end of March. Me and Damon Martin, I think, will be there. Oh, I'm man. excited Lucky for boys. Matt Lucky Brown's boys, on the, Co- Co- Cody Garbrandt's on that card. I believe uh, Stamen just got added to that card. Uh, Matt that's Brown's nice. on that card. It's a, that's a it's an ESPN card. It's not ESPN Plus. I believe that's just an ESPN card. But we're running up on time. So, per usual, Pizza Carol, oh, shit, the man. floor is yours for whatever promo you want to cut. Oh, Jesus Christ. I don't know what I'm going to do. Um, 
Hold one second before while you think of your promo, someone just in the comment section on YouTube goes, "What type of elf is Jose? A wood elf?" What the fuck is that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I think again, um, again, yeah. it's the hair, it's the nose ring, maybe, maybe it's the earring. I'm adding it to the list of things that people, strange things people have called me on this live chat. But anyway. Back what to the hell promo. does that even mean? I don't, I don't know. know what it means. I believe if you're a, po- a fan of J.R. Tolkien's popular series, Lord of the Rings, uh, apparently they all have blonde hair. Uh, so oh. actually not apparently. they Most of them have blonde hair. Uh, so I think that's what he's going with. I don't know. I'm trying to look around for inspiration here. I don't really have any. Um, I'm a, I have to start remembering to do this because when I, when I come correct, I, I usually have a good one. But um, yeah, I don't have one today. I'm sorry. I love you though. Well, I'll say this. It's a little sad, but a lot of people were tweeting. Um, obviously, the passing of Kobe Bryant happens this week. It, I still cannot wrap my head around waking up in a world of Kobe Bryant not being here anymore, especially and his, his daughter, Gigi, who was also on that helicopter. Like, that is, that is, I can't even fathom what they're going through. But people were tweeting, like, what, like, not just Kobe Bryant, but, like, what, is there an athlete in MMA that would captivate the world if the, if this tragedy happened with Kobe? I don't think so. I don't think there's anyone in fighting in the UFC or Bellator right now that would be on the same level as Kobe Bryant in terms of, like, you said it yourself, you don't even like NBA. You don't know anything about basketball, but you've heard of Kobe Bryant. Am I correct? Mm. I feel like, you know, the same people we were talking about earlier, the only people who've really tried transcended the sport and mcgregor and rousey and i still don't think that comes anywhere near I don't, there. they're not even on like those two are the biggest superstars in the history of the ufc i'll throw brock lesnar in there too uh but they will not even come remotely close like kobe bryant won an oscar like for crying out loud like yeah it's insane it's insane kobe bryant is it's very strange to be in a world where kobe bryant is no longer with us uh but i can't even i was i was a I'm not even a Lake. I'm a. I'm not a Lakers fan. I was born in New England. I was a diehard Celtics fan, uh, and it still like crushed me when that news happened. I was like, people were like texting me like this. I was like, what? I don't even. I haven't even processed what what just happened. Stop asking me what's going on. Like um, my like my my mother and father have never watched a basketball game in their lives, but that's all they've been talking about. You know, like they. they it's unbelievable. I, he's the greatest. He's the hardest worker in the NBA that I've ever seen. I asked him one question in my life at the Body Armor press conference in New York when it was him, Dana White, and then it had like Garbrandt and Ganu, Cynthia Calvillo. They were all up on stage, and I asked like, "What's it feel like to work with a Celtics fan?" Because Dana White's a Celtics fan. I'm like, "What a stupid question!" But he like laughed and answered it. So uh, it's very weird that Mike, that Kobe Bryant is not with us anymore. But there's no one in the MMA world. Uh, that would even remotely come close to the reach that Kobe Bryant had throughout. Like, he was a deity in China. Like, basketball is such a big deal in China. He couldn't walk the streets. Like, he could not. Or, like, the the country would shut down. But anyway, uh, that is my promo. That Pizza Carroll did not have a promo. There's no UFC this weekend. I read something that this is the last week of no UFC. Yeah, yeah, it was shot. It's, it's so depressing to read that. <laughs> it's the last weekend of no UFC until April. Woo! So, so stick around. Uh, apparently, Max Sherman is has blown up our YouTube comment section saying, "Hey, Pete, cut a promo on Michael Prieta, Michael Prieta versus Diego Sanchez." Oh man, 
That's it. <laughs> Matt, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm, I've been caught cold. I'm jet lagged. All right. I'm gonna try next week. I just need my brain isn't here today. Long it's, not, sto- it's not at full capacity. Long story short, I'm better than Pizza Carroll at everything because he can't cut a promo. That's not true. Um, I'm, not, I'm not gonna even fight it. I'm like, yeah, I agree with you today. I'm, I'm, I'm at death's door here. But anyway, I'm Jose. That's Pizza. I don't have my time frames matched up right now, but I'll be in Houston for UFC 247, uh, the John Jones-Reyes fight. So I think, is that next week? Is that next weekend? Not this weekend, weekend but next weekend? Yeah. So I'll be in Houston next week. Maybe we'll do one with Alex uh, Alex Savis supposedly coming with us. Cool Alex. Oh, cool, cool, uh, cool Alex, yeah. Cool Alex is going to be there. Casey Lydon will be there. So maybe we'll have a... Uh, but Casey Lydon, is like, that's his hometown, baby. It is. So we might give him a hometown a hometown game and have him on the A side again. I know the comment section loves Casey. <laughs> How can you not love Casey? Uh, people, people have are are fifty fifty. They either love him or hate him. I think Casey loves that. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, we've been ending this show for like ten minutes. I'm Jose. That's Pizzi. We're out. Mwah.